You're listening to the Elephant in the Room property podcast, where the big things that never get talked about actually get talked about. I'm Veronica Morgan, real estate agent, buyer's agent and co-host of Fox Hills Location, Location, Location Australia. And I'm Chris Bates, financial planner, mortgage broker and wealth coach. And together, we're going to uncover who's really making the decisions when you buy a property. Veronica will introduce our guest in a moment. And I can tell you, you want to listen on to find out what he has to say about the Brisbane property market, auctions, price guides, what's good investment, what's not a good investment, oversupply of apartments. There's so much to cover in this episode. We see that in our area at the moment in New Farm, across Brisbane, there are like, it used to be a two-stream market. Oh, that's the houses, that's the units. We're seeing five or six different streams in the market, you know, like wool stores versus six packs versus high rise, cottages versus prestige versus double brick. And you think, how can these not be moving in unison? And it's just, it's really very, I mean, and lending, then you throw lending into the mix. We've got some banks that are going, I'm overexposed in that building, so it's a no. And if the buyer's not aware that it's just that bank's overexposure, they think it's their personal, they think it's them. Please stick around for this week's Elephant Rider Bootcamp. And we have a cracking Dumbo of the Week coming up. Before we get started, everything we talk about on this podcast is general in nature and should never be considered to be personal financial advice. If you're looking to get advice, please seek the help of a licensed financial advisor or buyer's agent. They will tailor and document their advice to your personal circumstances. Now let's get cracking. In this episode, we pick the brains of Hazley Cush, principal and owner of Ray White New Farm, a partner of Ray White Spring Hill, as well as the property management business Living Here Cush Partners, all of which operate in Brisbane's inner suburbs. Hazley is a licensed real estate agent and auctioneer who began his real estate career back in 1996, so we're talking 22 years ago. Hazley is the only Queensland auctioneer to appear on the Australian television series The Block. Yeah. Uh, and if anyone likes watching The Block, we did interview Damien Cooley, who's appeared on every episode of yes. the, every series. The of exact Block. opposite. He's episode two. So go back to that. And I have to say that was incredible. So you've got a, you know, high benchmark there, yeah. high bar to meet. Prior to taking ownership of Ray White New Farm, Hazley was the chief auctioneer for Ray White Queensland and also sat on their board. He's also a columnist for the Sunday Mail and realestate.com.au as well as a property commentator with many other industry magazines. According to his bio, he's the only person to win the prestigious REIQ Auctioneer of the Year title every time he entered. So that's 2002, 2003 and 2008 in case you're wondering, which really caused me to have a bit of a giggle when I read it because I wanted to know why you didn't enter in other years. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, well... Because in 2008, I went on to the Australasian Auctioneer competition and uh, I did 2008. I'd been to the Australasian. So if you win Queensland, you get to go and compete in yeah. these international auction wow. comps. The people think it's just the craziest thing in the world that auctioneers <laughs> would have competition. Um, anyway, so I had it and then I went over time in the final and I lost it to a great auctioneer and I just thought, yeah. that'll do me. So you, you quit while you're ahead. I, yeah, I said, <laughs> I said I'll, I'll pull the ripcord. I've been back to, uh, uh, you know, similar sorts of things. So with all this experience, we're expecting great things from this interview. Yes. Welcome, Hazley. Yes, well written. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, Hazley. Appreciate you. Uh, of course. Appreciate you giving us t- your time, mate. I um, Brisbane just traditionally isn't really an, seen as a natural auction market. It hasn't really been you know, a big part of what's out there. I guess, when did it really change to become a much bigger part? And, you know, how's it kind of sitting in the auction 
versus private treaty? Yeah, it's, I mean, so Sydney and Melbourne, the joys of being a Sydney or Melbourne agent are um, you don't have to deal with auction as a dirty word. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if I want to auction my house in Melbourne or an agent suggests auction, I call my mum. Yeah, I auctioned. Call my dad. Yeah, I auctioned. Call my brother. Yeah. Um, that's how we bought. That's how we sold. And then I call a friend and say, I want to bid at an auction this weekend. Mm. I say, oh, that's, that's how we bid. That's how mm. we bought. And, and, and so lots of comfort around mm. that. Uh, in Queensland, where it's, um, it just hasn't matured to that level yet. Uh, in, in, and in selling real estate through the 90s, I started selling, as the well-written bio said, <laughs> with my mum mm. in 1996. And when you sat across from someone in the 90s and said, we think you should auction your home, they would say, well, we're not getting divorced. Um, it's not a mortgagee sale. <laughs> why, would, why would we possibly need to do that? And we'd have a list of about 100 reasons as to why they should. Mm. And uh, the list of 100 reasons still exists today. You just don't need to cover them all because mm. a lot of people are pre-sold. Uh, in Queensland, the TV shows helped carry that message a lot in the early 2000s. There were yep. shows like Hot Property and Location, Location. And people saw it and went, oh, look, there's a family in Melbourne that are just like me. And they're selling their home and they're not... And they didn't sell for less than market value. They got more than market value. Mm. And uh, if you expose it with a national media campaign, then your market is nationwide. And uh, so the owners that can afford to do a proper campaign started to get proper results. Mm. And then you will see that it volcanoes out from usually those areas of town that are traditionally more affluent, uh, where people are happy to invest to make more money. Mm-hmm. Um, and that kind of is what happened in Brisbane. So it's, it's, working its, way, it's worked its way out from the city fringes um, and has been going out to the suburbs. And it just takes a long time to make its way across the city. Brisbane is certainly maturing. We have mm-hmm. lots of interstate migration. We had a lot of that pre-2008. Um, and then we had a big resources boom, so we saw even more people come, slow down, and we think it's going to pick up in the next little while. And those people are Sydney and Melbourne people that mm. are comfortable with auction that are now living in Brisbane. Yeah, so you've got an interesting point there around um – if you don't advertise it, you won't get the full market exposure. Mm. So what you're saying is that if you don't invest into an auction with a lot of marketing, you won't get the good result. Is that kind of what you kind of tell a lot of your buyers, your sellers? So you, an auction is without price. So the, the easy way for a buyer in any market to decide whether they're interested in something is they see the price. Does that match my affordability level? Um, yeah, or that price, does it match the photos of the property? Um, yes, it does. No, it doesn't. If it does, I'll go through it. If it doesn't, I won't go through it. In the absence of price, if you like the look of the photos, you have to go and inspect it, deal with the agent on it. So that's where um, price, so price makes it a really easy job for buyers, mm-hmm. but more an easy job for them to just disregard the property. Mm-hmm. No, that doesn't look like one I like. I won't go and inspect it. So no price stops that blockage. They go and inspect it. Then they go through it, they say they like it, they give you feedback around price. Now, if I'm a seller of a property, I want to make sure that the price that they're telling me is the best price that's out there. So the bigger the market sample that I take, which is the more marketing that I have, then the more reliable the market sample. So, for example, we walk down this street today and ask five people if they drink Coca-Cola and one says yes, then based on that survey size, 20% of the population drinks Coca-Cola. Well, if we sample the whole city, we're going to get a, a more realistic response. Mm. Um, maybe it's 50%, maybe it's 5%, who knows. But, mm. uh, and that's how it works with regard to mm. any marketing, not just auction, but certainly if you're relying on them to tell you the price, you sure as heck want to make sure that you've asked everyone that could be a buyer. And that's where marketing counts. You know, mm. in 2000 and, 
eight when we went through a GFC, I've never seen prices drop quite so quickly, quite so dramatically. Mm. Well, list price would have just left the property on the shelf mm. for a year. Um, an auction allows you to get an immediate market sample to what buyers think. And uh, so it, that's why you've got to have a big campaign to make sure it's right. But, but we do a, suggest it. A lot of auction campaigns, you know, is it a lot of smoke and mirrors to create urgency that this property is going to go on this day? And so therefore a lot of buyers want to avoid the pain of losing it. So they want to make offers prior to the auction. So it's more of a, let's just get them to make an offer because we've created a bit of urgency. So every sale where someone's engaged to sell a property, they need to get offers to sell that. But the absence of offers or contracts, you can't sell it. Yeah. Smoke and mirrors tends to suggest you're doing something sinister. So it's definitely not. Mm. But urgency needs to be uh, a part of every transaction to force someone to make a decision. So in regard to your pod content, uh, podcast, you use um, the, the elephant in the room. Mm. Um, well, no seller comes to market for the fun of having strangers walk through their property, cleaning it every day, and a real estate agent <laughs> talks to them a lot. Right? Uh, they don't walk out the front gate in the morning and go, whoa, what's that? Oh, the sign. I forgot we were on the market. Like, they know every second of every day. They know. So there is urgency around the sale. Mm. Realestate.com today would be, I reckon, 10 times more expensive than it was 10 years ago mm. um, for a similar product. So to invest in an ad on realestate.com today in our suburb will cost you $2,000. And that's for, maybe that's for 60 days. Wow. If you're invest, and that's one, so that doesn't include domain. That doesn't include, so then domain, I think it's another 500 for the premium listing. Then you want to sign, then you want professional photos nowadays. And you can wrap all that up into about somewhere between three and four and a half grand. Anyone who invests three to four and a half thousand dollars has urgency to sell. Then you say, okay, well, what about if it's an auction? Well, drop another 500 to 1,000 bucks on top for the auctioneer, which is cheap, right? It's double, double that. <laughs> double that in Sydney. <laughs> yeah, that's right, for cooling. Uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. So, um, and then add print. Print's five grand a page. So if you come and look at one of our auction properties, safe to assume the owner has invested anywhere between 15000 and $30,000. Their motivation to sell purely just in the investment in the market mm. is, is, is demonstrated in that. Um, and an agent should sell to any owner, whether it's listed for sale um, with a price or whether it's listed for auction, they need to sell some urgency because buyers, the elephant in the room, buyers need to be sometimes, um, forced as a really, they need to see the benefit of engaging mm. because otherwise, I mean, I know when I'm a buyer, lose my imagination and I want to take my time. Yep. But then when I miss something, I see it for what it really was and I'm disappointed that I missed it. So a skilled salesperson in any genre needs to show people the benefits of stepping forward and getting to the negotiating table. And sometimes I know for me, and I'm not sure for the both of you, but if I was told when I put my knees under the negotiating table, the price I would eventually pay, I wouldn't have sat down at the table. Mm. Um, <laughs> Like, but once it's there, how to boil a frog? <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's, yes, well, yeah, you got like first get to the negotiating table yep. and then see where you'll get to. Um, and uh, and I've bought properties where I've paid more than I thought I would pay, and I'm thrilled that I bought them. But if I had known before I sat at that table what I would have paid, I wouldn't have sat at the table. Yeah, I mean it's a really good point, right? So you're saying that you know you need 
urgency. Humans do need urgency because mm. we need to know that we could lose something to actually make us, you yeah. know, if we're not going to lose it, we just hang on. Oh, it's fine. Yeah. It'll be there next week. be there next week. And then as soon as yeah. we know we could lose it, bang, we rush there, right? Yeah. So I totally get that. I mean, what percentage of though of your properties are you advertising as auctions though and selling before the auction to somebody who really wants it? Not as many as the owners would like. <laughs> I think <laughs> I actually, I genuinely think almost every owner who goes to auction would love a price more than they want before the day. Mm. Um, I mean, more than they want, even what they want before the day. Um, because I like, I, no one loves calling auctions more than me. Mm. And I, um, I would still think that there are those owners, even if I was an owner, if someone turned up and said, oh, here's what you want or more, mm. and you don't have to do any more open houses, you don't have to do an auction. We auctioned our own home a year, or, year and a half ago. And my wife, on the day of the auction, looked me straight in the eyes and said, we're selling it today. There'll be no more open houses. Like, that's it. <laughs> and I said, okay, keep that to yourself. Uh, Did you, were you the auctioneer on your own No, a uh, dear friend of mine, mm. and, and, and I believe one of the greatest auctioneers, a guy by the name of Phil Parker, mm -hmm. was the auctioneer. My business partner today, Matt Lancashire, and my mum were my two real estate agents, right. the two agents I, I respect the most. <laughs> and, uh, and they treated me like everyone else. And we sold it under the hammer on the day. It didn't smash my wildest expectation. Mm. Um, it was what it was. I left the uh, I left the auction that day, thinking oh, really would have liked a little bit more. Um, you know, it is what it is. Mm. Uh, but something did happen that I didn't expect to happen. The first thing that happened was as soon as I sold it, I started to see all the things that the buyers talked about during the campaign oh, that I couldn't see. That's interesting. Yeah. They mm. said all through the campaign, the bedrooms are a bit small, mm. the neighbours are a bit close, mm. and there's some overland flow issues in the backyard. Yep. And me as the owner, I thought, well, we live in the bedrooms and they're fine. Yeah. I love my neighbours. So you got a bit mm. defensive about it. I was a bit it. defensive, yeah, 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 like every seller. <laughs> uh, and, and when the water goes over the backyard, we don't go outside. We just uh, – but on the day I sold it, I saw them went, yeah, the neighbours are a bit close and the bedrooms <laughs> are a bit small. And, and uh, So even as a professional, oh, you, yeah, you can a, fall in the I mean, same on the journey. Exactly. It's just, we, it is. You're we're, all, we're, we're buyers when we're buyers, we're sellers when we're yeah, sellers. We yeah, we overvalue things when we own them. So yeah. you notice an instant – Unwinding of that behavioural bias. Mm. Well, I don't own it anymore. It's small. <laughs> yeah. You know? So that's hilarious. It, it was crazy the way it detached. And then this, the day after, not that afternoon, that afternoon <laughs> I was like, you know, did I, did I make the right mm. thing? Did I not make? But the next day, oh, the weight. And I've never read it. You know, that afternoon, call a spade a spade. I did think to myself, oh, could have held out. Mm. Every day since I've been thrilled. And I, with hand on heart, thrilled mm. that I on the day. It's it is very interesting, isn't it? Because there's also um, I mean the clearance rates in Brisbane are now what under forty percent, aren't they? Yeah. So, you know, there's a very real chance you're not gonna sell at auction if you go to auction, if you get to auction. And those clearance rates include those that have sold prior. So I don't know. I mean or don't they? Because they not certainly not in the bidding not in the clearance rates that I see. Right, right. Um they don't include priors. Uh so what do they just fall off the book? No, I, I don't know if – it depends where you get your stats from, right? Mm. So, yeah, that's true. Um, if you get your stats from, um, uh, again, REA – I mean, the only reason I refer to REA yeah. is because they're probably our, the, the most reliable Biggest, portal. Yeah. Yeah. I think they just 
look at the auctions that took place on the day. This many auctions took place on the day. These mm -hmm. ones sold, these ones. I don't think they historically go back and look at what was supposed to sell on that day. And, and well, it depends how the agents what? report it. If, yeah, if, but if the, so what they do in context for the listeners is they will call the agent mm -hmm. in the afternoon and, uh, <laughs> and agents, you know, we love a good story. So we <laughs> answer that call if it's sold under the hammer <laughs> and we're and busy and it. we're busy if, uh, if it was a tough day at the office. Um, so I don't know what they do with the ones that they don't call. Unrecorded, uh, yeah. I would imagine they'd go unrecorded or didn't yeah. sell, or one of the two. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> I don't think they would record it as a sale because I just don't think they would call on the day because the auction would be well, – they might call and say what happened today at sold, prime market or sold. Look, they could. But look, yeah. the stats that I see when we do them, um, if you include the sold price, it tends to get to about 60%. Right. Okay? But I've been calling auctions – since 19, since the late nineties, I've been around real estate agents since I was 12. I used to stamp the contracts in the office. I used to, my mum used to pay me to do the letterbox drops. I do one street, chuck them in a bin, set them on fire, take my money and go to the arcade around mm. the corner, you know, like everybody <laughs> does as a little 10 year old, 12 year old kid. And I have, whether we were at the top of the GFC, mm. uh, sorry, top of the mountain, bottom of the GFC, for whatever reason, we tend to sell... 30%, 40 um, on the day. Mm -hmm. um, we tend to be 60%, including priors. Mm. We tend to creep towards 80% in the agency. And then depending on the office, it drops. Sydney, Melbourne has a much better under the hammer, get it done, because of the comfort of buyers more than sellers. Right, interesting. Because yeah. buyers will bid. Here... Buyers are slower to interact. They love to say, is it on the market? I won't mm. bid till it's on mm. the market. Well, that's a chicken and an egg game. Oh, right? I love it because how's it going to get there? How's it going to get there? <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, so our auctions as well, I mean, I'd love it if we ran, like, it would only be interesting maybe to the three of us and one person listening, but um, <laughs> the time frame auctions take in Queensland is way longer. Well, you know, quite a, I'm on Sky News Real Estate quite often and, um, and, I, yeah. and I sit there for – Oh, usually I'm on for an hour, an hour and a half and, and we usually cover a couple of auctions in that time and, and I love hanging around because we watch the auctions mm. and then we debrief afterwards. And the, we were on the other day and there was a one in Kelvin Grove and it went for 35 minutes. Wow. <laughs> it's just hilarious. And the, the guys were, you know, James and uh, Sophie were commenting on that and I'm, I was laughing to say, yeah. well, I've been in auctions that have gone for 45 minutes and longer. Yeah. But So you're saying that that's a particular Queensland thing, that well, they're, they're more drawn out, are you? It's good news for you though, isn't it? They don't pay me by the ads bad. I can't cram as many in. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's, on, he's on a time. I've got, got to get to the next one. Yeah. yeah, No, no, it's more. Maybe we start charging a percentage of the sale. I tell them as a joke. Oh, yeah, that's right. No. <laughs> um, so one of the things that um, what happens is you've literally got to walk up to the buyers and say, right, here's what's going to happen. Until you bid mm. or until you pay a little bit more, wow. we're not going to get it on the market. So let's just deal with that. Yeah. We're not going to get in the market, so we're going to pass it in. Your interest in this property won't evaporate. You'll still want to buy it. That bloke over there, he's still going to want to buy it and that lady's still going to want to buy it. So all this transparency where you get to shout your price at each other and hear what they will bid and that's going to be gone. The vendor's motivation that currently sits on the table because it's their auction is going to be gone. Um, other buyers that can't participate in the auction because they couldn't get their finance or building inspection, they're now added to the, to the fray and buyers' logic sets in and more often than not they go, 
Yeah, okay. Um, all right, well, I'll give you a little bit more. Then you go and see the vendor, you enter a negotiation, and, and, and you eke out to get to a price where people are happy. And I and in Sydney and Melbourne, I don't see that happening as much. I don't watch it. I'm it calling happen. auctions. Yeah. But on a Saturday now, you it would it would be a regular occurrence to see auctions go twenty to sorry, thirty minutes to forty five minutes. Um because of because of that. So is that you standing there just entertaining the crowd, waiting for the agents to prize the first bid out of, of whoever's going to break Sorry. the seal? Or? No, no, that'll be – you might get a couple of bids. One person might be participating. Three or four are sitting there going, oh, I'm not going to get involved until it goes on the market. Oh, yeah, um, no and then you've got to stop yeah. and you've got to go and right. get them to everyone then drag it out. Hands. And everyone waits. Very boring for it's the crowd, but that's not what you're there for. No, no, no. <laughs> but does this create an opportunity, though, for the people who do know what's going on and do know how to play auctions and, you know, have trains and, you know, say, you know, for example, buyer's agents. Do you, do you see buyer's agents getting a much better result than? Yeah, I think if your strategy to buy a property at auction is not to bid, <laughs> It's a bad strategy, you know. Like <laughs> you're never going to get it. I know, look, you've got you've got um, a registration here as well, yep. don't you? I mean, we've got it in, in New South Wales, and so I'm always amazed because do you find many buyers first of all get there early and watch other people register? Uh, oh, look, we don't find them. They're not as aggressive here in mm. terms of the they um, they're not they don't have. Um, generations of family that have got giving them tips they're coming in they're doing their bit so uh, buyers agents are and and yeah. skilled people are but the general the general population are not they're I'll turning you, up the, the general population in, in sydney don't either yeah okay, they, right. they yeah, just yeah. don't do it yeah. um that probably hasn't occurred to them um <laughs> but i always think you know for me i i rock up and and so i know i'm the only registered bidder and then the agent comes to me and says oh well him over there he really wants to buy it but he hasn't got his finance ready and him over there he really wants to buy it but he hasn't actually sold his house yet but he's got an offer on it so it should be sold on monday and so what i'm the only one here with a pulse and a checkbook and yeah. so deal with me yeah. you know um as opposed to, oh, I rocked up and five people registered. You know, mm. I don't know why they're not bidding, but they're not. And so I, I know what my game plan is and I know I'm going to bid and I know where I'm prepared to go to on behalf of my client or if it's for me. You know, so you don't get people actually observing. Yeah, buyers agents will. I, I'm the mm. same as you. I bid for people regularly, yeah. uh, if, if time permitting, and I'm bidding. Mm. You know, like if I if I get the opportunity, and, and to your point, to your question, um. I think there's a huge role for buyer's agents and a buyer's agent will bid, mm. you know. Um, they'll be bullish in their negotiating if, the, on, if they're bidding pauses and rightly so, they're paid by the buyer, but they will engage. Mm. Um, and, uh, and for buyers, if, if you put yourself in the headspace of the seller, if someone bids, you're going to listen. If they don't bid, you're going to start to resent them. Yeah. You're going to start to think, you turn, so let me get this right. You had a couple of building inspections. I changed my terms to give you 5% in 45 days. Mm. Instead of throwing my telly, um, you got my <laughs> pool equipment now. And what, you're not even going to bid? What, until I put it on the market? At what? You haven't bid. Mm. Um, help me help you. Uh, so, yeah, I think there's a huge place for buyer's agents because they'll explain that and they come from the right side of the ledger and they're on the buyer's side. And I think that's the thing, isn't it? It's like, well, so you're saying that the buyers or bidders or potential bidders in Brizzy are a bit more suspicious of the selling agent by the sounds of it? Uh, suspicious in the benefits of bidding, yeah. Mm. Um, whether the, whether they've got – whether they're worried about the uh, – the, the irony is you should be more – if you are suspicious of the agent, 
you'd want to do it at the auction. Because yes, if you're worried about the agent, yeah, yes. then yeah. you're about to hand them, you're about to lose all transparency and mm. rely on them to tell you, oh, how many other buyers are there? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you really are suspicious, get it done at auction. Yeah. Um, it sounds like to me, though, that the risk is a lot higher in Brisbane, for example, to run an auction campaign because society isn't educated enough to that's the way they're going to buy it. So I think that, you know, if you're an agent selling here, is there a point in the campaign where you're going, look, we're not going to get enough competition on the day of auction. Let's try to get this sold, you know, a week prior. Let's see if we can, you know, manufacture an offer. You know, is it when you haven't got that many buyers and how would you kind of go about that? So the greatest word in making any decision is what's my alternative? And if you stack the clearance rates of auction up against the clearance rates of private treaty, same time frame, then private treaty gets murdered by auction. Oh, yeah. So you, oh, well, we'll go do the other way. Well, the other way, you're not getting an unconditional contract. Yeah, gotcha. Um, so you still like, um, if, if, if you say, like we say, it's normally 40. So 40 takes in the worst in town and the best in town. But then you go and say, oh, that means probably the worst in town might be 10 to 20% and the best in town might be 60 to 80%. Yeah. 60 to 80% means that, well, you, you, you do 10 auctions, you sell two, pass one in, sell two, pass. Like mm. it's yeah. uh, not a bad day at the office. Yeah. Um, when you stack up what the alternative is. Now, the alternative is, oh, yeah, but properties do sell quickly if you put them on. They can sell cash in 30 days. Yeah. If you price them really aggressively, mm. you'll sell your property in 30 days cash. You find me a bulk of sellers <laughs> that want to price their property yes. really aggressively and cheaply and sell them mm. in 30 days, then they, I'd love to list them because yeah, they, they want, don't exist. No, exactly. <laughs> they want their day in their sun. They want to test the market yeah. before they're prepared to, to put a, a what they see as a fire sale price. But, okay, how do you deal with the fact you're not allowed to quote price? So one of the benefits of not being – there's a huge benefit – uh, and there's a huge pain. Mm. So the huge benefit in um, not being able to quote price, and I deal with it, my uh, brothers and sisters in Sydney and Melbourne who get um, forced uh, in some of those states to quote price, you're quoting a price based on something you actually can't handle. So you're quoting a price based purely on precedent. Yeah. So if the market performs better than you expect, you've misled them. If the market underperforms based on the precedent, you've misled them. So you kind of knack it. Either one. Um, the, market's got to perf- the market's not got to go anywhere for you to be perceived as telling the truth. How do you even know, right? Like it's because what that property sold for at that point in time on that day would have been so many variables that you never really know, do you? Well, I mean, it, it performs to the script, it, but no one really – every seller wants to not perform to the script and every mm. buyer wants to not perform. Like buyers want to buy them really cheap, lower than – like they grab yep. the lowest price they can possibly find and the sellers grab the highest price they can yep. possibly find. So no one wants it to perform to the script. It does perform to the script a lot. You know, there are key things that change that. Um, it can be seasonal in some markets. Elections can have a role. Financial climate's a big change. But it can perform a bit to the script. Um, but the buyers don't want it to and the sellers don't want it to. So – um, you can miss out on people that would have otherwise bought it. Um, it mm. can sell for more because yep. the market, it can, it can undersell. The advantage of no price is it leaves it open to the buyers to establish. The problem with no price is buyers don't know whether they can afford it and if they're wasting their time. Yeah. Yep. And that is the big problem with no price. 
So me as a buyer. And also you you as an agent. Oh, as an agent. I don't know those two things either. No, Can you I, afford it or are you wasting my time? Yeah, and, yeah, exactly. And you want a bundle of people at least at the same sort of level so they do fight it out. You know, mm. there's no point having one up there and one down there. Um, so yeah, anyway, so keep going. So how do you resolve that? It's, it's, it's difficult to resolve. Mm. The only way, and I explain it to my, because agents, look, if it was up to the agents, they would quote price. Oh, it's easier. They'd say, yeah. Mm. They'd say they wouldn't, um, a lot of them, but they would. Because yeah. the agents, and I'm the son of an agent, so I'm biased, but agents are nothing like the stereotype. Like there are, there are bad people in every industry. I was raised a Catholic and I can tell you, we all respected the priests growing up, but there are a couple of bad ones well, out we there. Know there are a few bad Catholic priests out there. There are some <laughs> bad cops out there. There are some yeah. bad politicians out there and there are some great ones, you know. Um, and so there's good and bad people in all industry, but in my opinion, from all the ones that I've met, the vast majority are really good people and they come from other industries and people know them and they go, yeah, when I think about the people I know that are real estate agents, they're good, the stereotypes just... Mm. Um, and they want to give a prize, not for any other reason, and they don't want to have the fight at the front door with the buyer who's busting mm. to know. And that is biggest blockage for real estate agents. Yeah. Buyer hits them, what do they want? And then the agent in Queensland can't give them a price. Mm. So they whip the mouth guard in ready for war, which they don't need to. Mm. Yeah. Um, because 90% of the people actually don't care. They're just asking the most obvious question you would ask a salesperson standing in front yep. of a house. Yep. Hey, mate, what do they want? Mm. Um, the skillful people will handle it one of two, two ways. Um, they'll handle it in a really polite, pleasurable way that says to that person, look, no, all you want to know is whether you can afford it and whether you're wasting your time. And all I really want to know is whether I'm <laughs> wasting my time. Um, but I've just got some restrictions here that I'm I can't allowed. deal with. Yep. I can't mm. tell you. Um, so here's a list of recent sales across the whole area. Do some homework. Figure it out yourself. Mm. Or you curate that list? Yeah, look, it's actually better for the buyer or the seller to just give them the lot mm. because otherwise you're in the same position as if you give them a price, right? Um, but the best thing to do, my experience, is you educate the, the buyer on how they can do it the Because sure, they're think surely if I was a buyer, I'd be thinking, well, the agent's hearing mm. me, you know? Well, exactly. So <laughs> a what a buyer should do, if you want to know, you go to realestate.com and you see what's for sale. So what that shows you is the competition. Put the refinements in. If it's a house, make it a house. If it's got two bedrooms, make it two bedrooms. It's got a size block. Like what are the things, a couple of the things that stick out. So if it's an 800 square meter block, that's a big deal. Land's important. You're buying the land. Land's the appreciating asset. The house is the depreciating asset. Get the land in there. What other 800 square meter ones are for sale or bigger? How many bedrooms, how many bathrooms? Is there a view? Try to get some comparables in that regard. See your competition. Then get a subscription or uh, access to one of the sales portals, um, realist, uh, RP Data or Price Finder or whichever one you choose, and see what's sold um, and get some feeling from it. Talk to your lender. You know, can you assist me with maybe a drive past valuation or something? You know, get some feeling for where value sits. Um, and then have your own opinion on it. Mm. Um, if you don't want to be investing in building inspections on three properties because you've missed out on them, I totally get that. Push the agent to get the vendor to get one. Mm. You know, I'm happy to come and register to bid on the weekend. Um, if the vendor gets a building inspection report, um, I'll have a look at it. Or there are builders today, and you can say to the agent that have done this, where the building inspector will do it, and then they'll sell that building inspection 
to two, three, or four buyers. So mm. rather than paying five hundred bucks, you're paying one hundred and fifty, and you share it with other people. Um, and, and then I, you're just giving it time, right? Because if you've done that, and then you've gone to an auction or you've gone to an open home, you start to build your market knowledge, and you know you give it a four weeks or six weeks of thinking about it, yeah. looking at property. You know, you start to get pretty good idea of what things are selling for, what you really value, and it's just giving it that time. The problem is when the market's moving because, you know, you start to figure out what you think the market's worth. And in a hot market, you go back and, you know, four weeks later and the market's moved a couple of percent. Yeah. And then you start chasing your tail. And I think that's a that's a, well, that's been a massive problem in Melbourne and Sydney. Yeah. I mean, what we've talked a lot about what the seller wants and how we're going to get through to the seller. In Brisbane, what do the buyers go crazy for here for when the young families what are the assets they really just really all want? Like the higher incomes, you know, families, what do they really want in Brisbane? Brisbane is, uh, so the hottest product in Brisbane at the moment is the unrenovated product. So. Mostly uh, a Queenslander? Predominantly a Queenslander. You yeah, yeah, predominantly Queenslanders. Yeah, certainly timber and tin, you know, mm. is, uh, timber and is tin. what they love. Yeah. Uh, be, and, and a lot of the renovation shows, have added to that. People are under this false impression that building's cheap and easy um, and they only do it once to realise that it's not. Also uh, cracks me up, honestly, the fact that in Brizzy, you know, whenever I'm on Sky News, for instance, which we call Your Money Now, always, you know, they've usually got one of those types of properties, the unrenovated Queenslanders um, on, you know, for one of the auctions and it always cracks me up. So on this one, you could pick it up and you could move it. And it's like in no other state that people pick up and move their houses yeah. on the block and I love it. Or they jack it up and put a, put a whole another yes. floor under it. It is so funny. Yes. And that, can I tell you, that is <laughs> under, underappreciated the cost of that because they use language like, oh, mate, just, yeah, just pick it up, it up and slide it around it. and yeah. chuck it in the backyard. <laughs> you can't do it with your mates for a carton of beer. Like yeah. there's a fair bit involved. <laughs> Uh, and so uh, I watch that section. I, I try to watch that global section really quite closely. Um, and there are three really big factors in Brisbane at the moment that are working out of sync. And they are build costs. Build costs are really high. Mm. What uh, probably are they, in Australia. Roughly? For the high end, you're talking over 4,000 a metre. For luxury high end, um, the Cheap people are building. To Sydney Do you just want to quietly? know it's in Sydney? <laughs> yes, I'd love to know. Probably closer to seven. Yeah. Is it? Yeah, yeah. it's easily six. Yeah, yeah, is that Italy. right? Mm. Yeah. And, and look, I would tell you, let's say it's six, that puts us at 60%. The market's got us pinned at about 30%. So if you go high end versus high end, mm. we're probably sitting at 30% of Sydney. So if you look um, like for like, we're overs on that comparison. Yeah, yeah actually, that's a good point. Mm. Yeah, based and, on, and, and just for listeners, what he's talking about is a proportion of the value of the property, right? Correct? Yeah. In terms of the renovation cost. So, so the most expensive mm. property in Sydney is just sold for $100 million. Yes. The, the most expensive property in Brisbane sold for 18.8 by us. Uh, <laughs> so hot in any market is pinned usually, at, at, so for the, for the most part, on affordability. So the hottest part is the part where the most people can afford. Yeah. Yeah. Now, in Brisbane at the moment, they're spending their money in, on unrenovated properties because they want to either do it themselves um, or they think they can, they can do it a bit better. But in it, premium suburbs? In, 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 no, I'd say within 10 to 15 Ks across the whole board. Right. If you looked at, it's the one step above, so first home buyers, so what would traditionally be second, third home buyers mm, places upgraders. that require upgraders, yeah, that require renovation that are not done. 
Now, closely, obviously, the more dilapidated, then um, that tends to be really inner city. They're really paying overs for that. And when I say they're paying overs, what I mean is you add that build cost to it. Yeah. yeah. And then you take in the unrenovated market and then you have an eventual product that's going to be X. If you went to, to the market today to buy a property that was finished to that standard. Yep. That price would be Y, and Y is less than X. Wow. Yeah. How many Ys are on the market? Lots of Ys. So there's lots of renovated yeah. properties. Now, that it's is weird because that is symptomatic of a hot market. Yeah. That sort of behaviour. Big time. Brisbane, if you are looking for what's cheap, buy something expensive. Mm. It is. Uh, it's Value close. For now, money. now, so yeah. it's the super high end, north of five, which in Brisbane is north of five million. Mm. That's actually turning out. That's starting to come to life. That's yeah. been bubbling for about six months. So I'm talking the market less than that. Yeah. Lower than that. But what are they buying the unrenovated properties for? So I'll give you a perfect example. In New Farm, if you wanted, I sold a property two. Or we sold a property two weeks ago, just shy of 500 square meters, 2.4 million. Mm. Um, Four bedrooms, rooftop balcony, in-ground pool, built about four years ago. City views, mm. um, great house. You know, you'd be really proud to come home there. It sold for $2.4 million. If you, uh, we sold a block of land, a house, similar size block, over the back fence. Now, it was a slightly better location than this one. But that sold for one seven, unrenovated, couldn't put a blue healer in it. Mm. So let's knock off the location's not as good. Let's knock off four hundred grand, three hundred grand. Call mm. it what I said, one seven. Mm. I think one, it might three. have even on sold for one eight. But let's say one seven is the number. Knock off four hundred grand, not four hundred, but say that one three to build that house today would cost you one three to one five. Right. So then you've got to build it. Then you've got to move <clears> out. Then you've got to rent. Then you've got to fight with everybody about mm. everything for yeah, a year yeah, while yeah. you build it, mm. and you're going to be three four hundred grand worse off. It's yeah, I mean, and that has different price points as well because you've got a lot of, you know, aspirational first-home buyers or upgraders who go, we can't get the borrowing capacity yeah. or we haven't got the cash to buy that renovated place today. And because it's more affordable, you've got yep. more buyers, you've got more competition. Mm. And so then you end up going, yes, we got a Queenslander, but we paid 850000 for it, but they haven't got the borrowing capacity or the, you know, the cash to buy it renovated. Yeah. And so even though, and they haven't thought about the building cost because mm. they haven't gone and got a quote and realised it's $4,000 a square metre. Yeah. the market. And yeah. so <laughs> you end up, you're right, you've got yourself a, a good asset, but you paid a top price. And then yeah. when you go and do the renovation, you go to quote, you can't actually afford it anyway. No. Nah. So, you, so know, you live in an unrenovated, unrenovated <laughs> house. And look, it's not, that's not the story across the whole market. That yeah. is the story, as you say, in the affluent areas yeah. where yeah. that, mm. that disparity is there. Because build costs, normal build costs might be around two, two and a half. Yeah. Um, for just, you know, for normal build. But um, it is, you've nailed it. It's affordability is where we're seeing um, where at any time that's where you see it push. Mm. It's affordability based on where there's cash. So everyone thinks, oh, well, the cheaper it, you go, then the more affordable. No, because um, uh, especially with what's happening in, in lending at the moment, where cash dries up, well, it might be cheap, but it's not affordable mm. because people don't want to buy it. Um, so you're saying that, you know, because I call about this where we, you know, the uh, the sweet spot, yep. you know, to buy is not really where every buyer is. You want to be buying a little bit above everyone else where there's quite a lot more supply or there's, you know, there's not many buyers, but there's a decent amount of stock on the market. Yeah. And you, you've got your budgets just a little bit further than what most everyone else is buying. So, you know, I guess that's the, the benefit of that is that if you were saying you're buying in Brisbane as just a pure investment, yep. you would probably try to go for maybe a renovated Queenslander 
that in one of these areas, but not go really too expensive because your yield would drop off. So, um, so there, yeah, so there's a couple of, a couple of points. If you look at the Sydney and Melbourne market, what's fueled that from an investment point of view has not been the yield, you know, because the no. yield's horrific. Yeah. Um, what's fueled it is a belief in the capital uplift. Mm. Um, so you're not buying these for the yield either, you mm. know. Like even that, that one we sold for two point four, they were investors and they've done exactly what we've said. I know, um, the buyers and the sellers were both friends of mine and they knew each other. Um, we had eighty groups through the front door. Salavi, the market prices, the market price, they all accepted, and it was what it was. The rental value on that place is going to be about seventeen hundred dollars yeah. a week. So what's that? Seven five, eighty five odd grand a year. Um, not a cracking return on your two point no. four million. Um, so they're backing in a capital uplift mm. in the price. Now, there isn't that many people with $2.4 million <laughs> for an investment property, certainly not in Brisbane. Maybe mm. that is the case in southern states. But in Brisbane, that's not where it's been. But if mm. you were looking at, as you say, the sweet spot, you're right, 100% right. That's that, where that's a, you'd go. That's a sweet spot in terms of getting value for money. Yeah. Right? Whereas an investor needs to think more about where are the bulk buyers because down the track what's my buyer going to be where am I buy you know how much are they going to have to spend proportionately you know the bell curve basically moves a long time and you need to be in the middle of the bell curve you know where there's lots of buyers investors shouldn't be at the tail end of the bell curve no which is what no. we're talking about the sweet spot in a way is the tail end of the bell curve because you get greater value greater yeah, bang for I buck as a homeowner as someone who's living in it because I get a renovated product for less the differential between the unrenovated and the, and the cost of building and then the renovated prop property, I'm getting a bargain, you know. But but also all those buyers that are sitting there fighting over the unrenovated ones because that's their affordability piece and that's where the majority of the buyers are sitting, mm. they're not even generally looking outside of their price range, are they? So they actually have no, cons no comprehension no. of how much – you know, more they need to, or how much an extra 500 grand might buy them or, or any of that. They actually, they're experts in their own slice of the market, but they're not actually looking beyond that generally. No, would you, that's would you right. Agree? Yeah, I do. I, do. I think, but what are, emerging markets tend to just pop up from time to mm. time and they're, they're fueled a lot by, obviously they're fueled by confidence, but it's, it's around what, what's prompted that confidence. So... A perfect example is the first home buyers in 2009 were fueled by government stimulation and they just popped up and overpaid. Mm. Yep. I really do believe that there will be a market segment that will pop up that will go, because Aussies tend to think in benchmarks. So two million in that space is the benchmark. They're all happy to buy under two. Yeah. But who's going above two? But as soon as they peek over the two million fence and realise I cannot believe I'm saying this $2.4 million for mm. something is cheap. And that's in the context of this. In other markets, you'd go $840,000 yes, is cheap or $640,000 in, in every, in every market. market. Yeah. $640,000 is cheap. I always thought I'd buy something for under five hundred, dollars mm. but I can't build this to that for $150,000. Mm. In fact, it's going to cost me two fifty. dollars I'm spending one hundred and forty dollars more. I'm actually saving money and and – those transactions will it won't it won't have as you say the bill won't be as full of as many people, but you will see those buyers. Some of them will move. Yep. Um, those transactions will record. They'll create competition. They'll create confidence, and you should see a level like a better level in the market. And mm. and, and it's a perfect Sydney Brisbane thing. Sy Brisbane won't catch Sydney, mm. but we've got to be better than the gap at the moment. So we should fill that gap. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's. Um 
It's interesting. So what, what, if you were, you know, take off your, your sales and you're going straight into the, uh, the buying space and you were going to buy an investment property in Brisbane and what price point would you enter and what would you buy? Wow. Um, great question. I mean, you, you sort of alluded to a really great investing model, which is, um, you zig, you zig while the market zags. Don't, don't go well, you know, like when the market's going up, people think it'll never stop going up. And when it's going down, they think it'll never stop. Plotting. If something looks cheap, so probably is. Yeah, but so I'm an old school real estate agent. So my th- philosophy is always, if it's good enough to buy, it's too good to sell. Mm-hmm. So I really live in the affordable space. Mm-hmm. I look at what I can afford um, to never have to sell. Mm-hmm. And that was a model that I've, Started as a young investor, um, you know, buying properties that I could afford. Still have a lot of them today. I mm-hmm. bought a little house on the train line in 1998 at Salisbury for um, $82,000. And that was really cheap at the time. Mm-hmm. And then I sold it last year, 350000 which is really cheap at the moment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but it pretty much went close to washing its face the whole time in terms mm. of rent. Didn't cost me a lot of money in between. I didn't pay eighty two grand for it. Mm. I paid $10,000 deposit, bank gave me the other 72 and then I sold it for three fifty. So time did a lot of the work. Mm. Um, and for me as an investor, I really look at affordability. So I look at what, what I can afford and I'm happy to afford. Mm. And if there's an interest rate rise or fall, um, I'm going to, I'm going to cope it. with that. But to answer your question, I have, I am a buyer of real estate. I bought, I believe that there are pockets around the inner city of Brisbane at the moment that I think look obviously um, undervalued. And they are um, areas that are close to the CBD that don't offer cosmopolitan lifestyle that I think will have to come over time. Mm. And New Farm was once one of those. Yeah. So there's an area called Spring Hill that sits right, right on the shoulder of the CBD. I like Spring Hill. I've mm. invested in Spring Hill. Um, uh, there's an area called East Brisbane. Um, which is over the other side of the yep. river, um, and, and Woolloongabba. But Woolloongabba's just had this precinct in the last five years put in there. It's really cool, and mm. you're starting to see prices bubble around so that's subsequently. The, that's the gentrification piece, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Mm. Um, and, um, but these are properties, like if you're listening and you're in Sydney and Melbourne, you can have a house and walk to the CBD, and if you turn up here and said, I've got $750,000 to spend and I want a house, uh, I can sell you a house. So those suburbs there... Uh, around the 750, 800. Yep. Yep. And now blocks of land size are small, two to three, two to 300 square meters. Is that quite standard in the area? For that particular area. Yeah. Yeah. Only for that area. So it's the context of that suburb. That's that's totally fine. And the type of these houses, are they Queenslanders? Yeah. Little cottage sort of houses. So nice frontages, you know, pretty good streets in these areas. You're living like, so gentrification is the, is what comes. So at the moment still, Inner city urban grind. Mm. Um, so, look, I, I purchased one. We paid roughly seven hundred odd thousand dollars. It's a two bedroom house. Mm-hmm. It rents for five fifty a week. So you're not, you know, again the yield. You're not, not high. Sydney rent. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. You're not high fiving on the yield. Yeah. Um, but with a bit of love, probably six fifty, seven hundred or something. The new bathroom well, kitchen. No? Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah, if we wanted to spend the money, but I live in that mm. affordable space. I'm like, yep. you know what? I bought it. Yeah. Um, I'll leave it here. Um, I've put in my deposit, which at, fortunately over time um, from those other properties has allowed me to put in a larger yeah, right. deposit towards <laughs> that. Um, and uh, and I, rec- I just genuinely have faith that 
10, 15 years from now, the, yeah. the, fi the figure will be, be much more. But the key is around being able to deal with the holding cost of the property. Yes. Um, so, so I like those inner city pockets. And my main ones are areas like uh, Red Hill, Spring, um, Spring Hill, East Brisbane, Wollongabba, um, yeah, there, there's uh, maybe maybe Milton. Albion's gone a little bit, but Albion was one three or four years ago, but it started to see some life come into it. The other thing is then I still think Ipswich, um, which is a sort of city yep. outside of Brisbane, mm -hmm. um, I think it's undervalued in, in some of its commercial property at the moment. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, But again, commercial properties, when they, sit, far, yep. yeah, when they sit vacant, they can sit vacant mm, for a yeah. long time. So you've got to be prepared for that. But if you can, you get a tenant, then the yield uplift is... Is fantastic. Well, that's one so, reason why the yields are higher on commercial, yeah. isn't it? Because of that risk of, of vacancy for long periods of time. What about apartments? Because yeah. that's a whole different story in Brizzy, isn't it? Yeah. So apartments, apartments was the next space that um, which which was getting to. So apartments, um, Brisbane got drowned in an oversupply of apartments over the, in the last three years. They're still being built, right? Uh, the the most part they have now been done. Right. And so we saw a tumbling of prices for sale and rental. Mm. Um, so we were renting properties for six fifty a week that are today renting for four thirty, four fifty. And that'd wow. be similar to the sale price, a similar value. And is that impacting on your little cottages in, in Spring Hill? Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. yeah, that's because you've got to think, if I'm living in my Spring Hill house mm. and I'm living with a mate, Blair, flatmates com or a friend from uni, uh, well, why would I buy the house that has the air coming through the floorboards when I can go in a brand new unit that some developers just built? They'll give me a free iPad. There's a yoga studio upstairs. <laughs> um, everyone who lives here is all over Instagram. Why wouldn't I rather live there for my 500 bucks a week? you got to find mm. a tenant with a dog. Yes, that's right. <laughs> that's what I need. Um, and so all the sharers are like, let's go and live in these great units. Yeah. Um, yeah. I get for, a bathroom to myself. Yeah, two baths. I get mm. swimming pools. So, yeah, it had downward pressure on all units. Uh, on all properties, um, but we've seen now. Um, I think. I think that the. I think that market's bounced. I think we're no longer catching a falling knife. I think the knife's firmly on the mm. floor, and people are picking it up. Um, they're recognising value. That value, of course, is coming from yield. Um, and they're the one thing in Brisbane that's really helping is there's a lot of confidence around the Queen's Wharf development. Mm. So that's going to bring in jobs. It's going to bring in. Um, going to bring simulation to the economy mm -hmm. and um, what that will do is it'll bring in tenants in who are going to be working close to that inner city market where all those units are built and they're going to want to live close there so that'll see competition in rents which will see an uplift in price people will want to buy them see an uplift in price will that run out of steam though pretty quick it they dropped like there's a fair bit there's a fair bit of sky between where they are now and where they were but where they were is, was a point in time when there was a you know, a sh massive shortage of supply and there was overconfidence and, you know, it, it's only really, you know, what a stock of a company was worth one day in the in the past was really the past. Really what's going to, what they're worth now is a re better reflection on what they're really worth. Yeah. Look, what they're worth today is, um, I, I think you've got to look at, all right, how's my yield going to be on this unit? What's the size of this unit? What's lending going to be like? What's happened in other states um, and where was it in the past? You know, you're right. You've got to, ref when you buy real estate, forget about the past or the future because you're dealing with it based on today and anything mm. could happen. Um, but if you want to get some confidence around it, look at your yield. Is it affordable at this rate? Sure. Um, what's the possibility? What is the blue sky uplift? Well, yesterday's price is a pretty good 
it's not, um, I wouldn't say it's conservative, but I wouldn't say it's uh, grossly optimistic to say, mm. well, it was worth that. I mean, at the top of the GFC, um, there are still properties today that, uh, sorry, the top of the boom for the GFC, we've got properties today that are just coming back to that level mm-hmm. in space. But there are people who said, similar to your comment, oh, they'll never get back there. Oh, they'll, or they'll always get back there eventually, yeah, but how long is eventually? Yeah. 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 And, and what are the missed bu- opportunities in the meantime? If you're buying an apartment, though, I assume you wouldn't want to buy a pretty bog-standard, yeah. high-rise, pretty ugly-looking thing. You would personally <laughs> buy in New Farm a small six-block of units apartment over that any day of the week? Yeah, I think if you're looking to buy a unit, Main things to look for are units are all the same largely, okay? Which means that if someone gets a record price, that's good. All prices are elevated. But if someone gets a bad price, all prices are dropped. Mm. They're all exactly the same. Well, it's that lack so, of scarcity. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So you're all the same. So if you're going to be in a building where they're all the same, try to get one that's um, courtyard, better view, penthouse, yeah. you know, um, three beds instead of twos, extra car park. Yeah. Get something that makes it the unicorn. Uh Alternatively, and and they're good. Like I own an inner city unit because I loved living there. When I was Mm. just an auctioneer full time, Mm. a little unit in town and life was bliss. A little convertible, I was single. I rocked out to the airport, did my auctions, little gavel in the pocket and the (laughs) life was good. They were, and and I thought really cheap. Um, Rent, always rent really well, but um, I bought another house around the same time. Well, the house has outperformed at two to one Mm, in terms of capital growth. But would you have Um, sold that unit? Besides just the current price is not something you want to, you know, if you realise now years on that you should probably never, you probably should have sold it and now you're not selling it just because the price isn't great? No, I'm not. I actually genuinely am not selling. I've got three kids now, six and under, and I think it'll never be a bad thing to own. I paid 298000 in 2002. Mm. Now it's probably only worth early fours today. Still a gift of $130,000. The house that I bought was a house I bought in Tarragindi, which is about 10 Ks from the CBD. I bought that about two years before that. I paid 220. Now that house is probably worth 650, you know, so it's really outperformed. But I had to put a new roof on that house uh, last year. It cost me 30, mm. but I didn't have to pay body corporates, mm. you know, so, yeah. uh, so it could be, that could balance mm. each other out. So the house has done really well, but I do plan on selling the house mm. um, because it's a bit unpredictable in what it's going to be in the future. I'd like to take the money out. I don't think I'm ever going to have a need to want it. I do think my young daughter who's six may at some point in the future say, oh, dad, I want to move out. Mm. Um, and if anyone's going to get her rent, it should be her father. <laughs> I uh, love it. That's not true. She'll live there for free. I'm wrapped around her finger. I think you're uh, fine though. I think, <laughs> Come uh, on. If there is any rise in Brisbane apartments though, you know, people have gone through a pretty, you know, harsh ride on the roller coaster. Yeah. And they don't want to go around again because mm. they don't want it. They're fearful and, you know, they want to get back to what they paid. It's, it's a behavioral bias we've got. We've got yep. anchoring and we've had loss aversion and they just want their money back. And if prices do rise um, or they rise anything significantly, the boom will come back. They'll keep building again if they rise any sure. more because it's just an opportunity to sell more. Yep. So you're going to get more supply if prices go up. Yeah. But secondly, you're going to get people selling. Oh yeah. And, um, you know, you're going to have to get investors to go in knowing that the, 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 there was a massive fall recently. So you've got low investor confidence and you've got the people who do own want to sell as soon as it gets back to a price 
point that they're happy. And so you're just going to recreate the, the situation oh, again. It'll be super. Um, and so, you know, there's, you're basically getting, you might get a new price point, might be 450 instead of 400. But if it goes more than 500, developers are back. And, um, yeah. you know, and I guess that's the problem with apartments generally is as soon as there's a shortage of supply, off they come. Yeah. The hard part's going to be, they built a lot. And I just, yeah. I mean, I don't know. You, you could be right. I don't know how many sites there are. I suppose you can always find more yeah. sites. But I would be, that was a major run. Like mm. that was a really big run for so many, right across the city, not even just right in the CBD. They mm. spread, stretch right out 10, 20 Ks. Yep. And Brisbane, they thought needed it. And look, history might show they were right. This Queen's Wharf development is going to be a big game changer because Brisbane right now is the place where you land if you're going to the Gold Coast or the Sunshine Coast. It's not really the place you land, for the most part, to have your holiday, you know? Um, well, will one wharf create that though? Well, so if you stereotype <laughs> the, the tourist that might come down, so you stereotype, we sit on the shoulder of Asia, right? Mm. And if you stereotype and say, it's never a good thing, um, but you say people who like to gamble who have family members that don't like to gamble, who get short holiday breaks a year, they land down there. I, I want to hang out here for my holiday. Like think mm. Vegas, right? I want to, I want to go to just to Vegas. Mm. My wife does not want to sit in a casino with me, but I love to go there and watch a fight, you know, like have a great time. Um, <laughs> she want to go and then do something else. Mm. Um, lady, lady, husband might want to do that. He want to go and do something else. Yeah, so they can flow get on effects of the, you know, but you know, that's going to be very contained and, you know, that's not people, that's people who just want to rent. So, you know, in short-term letting, so maybe you could be great no, for no, an Airbnb. Someone's got to serve them. So they're bringing in thousands and thousands of service people. To so high-paying jobs? They don't need high-paying. The rents are bargain basement. Like they've yeah. got two, three-bedroom rooms. They're renting in the fours. It used to be to share a room in Brisbane. It used to be uh, $250, $300 at the moment, $150, mm. or maybe around 200 bucks. you know, in the inner city. So you, that has a knock-on effect to that space. You get two people sharing. They're close to the city. They're close to work. But lots of jobs are coming in there. There's going to be um, – there'll be uh, hospitality boutiques that will support that, and you'll see that run out. Now, I'm not transient jobs, though, right? Kind of not. It's not your long-term career so much. That's true. But the tenants that fill those apartments traditionally are a transient tenant. You don't find that many for the stereotype of – the tenant of a unit in the inner city is not your 30-year tenant. What's going to happen, though, is that that's just going to encourage developers to build more investor stock, which is going to be Look, more, it, of the, more of the same. It, it could, but to your point, they've got, to, they've got to fill these rooms before they're going to do that. Mm. Um, mm. And, yeah. and they're not going to – like, as I said, there's a big drop between where we were to where we are. So I think before you're going to see that sort of knock-on, we've got to get back at least to where we were. Because I I loved I loved your comment about um, you know, we don't we and I can't remember the words I nearly wrote them down but we don't like to sell for less than what we paid. No, we don't. Uh, what was that phrase? Anchoring bias. Yep. Yes, oh, I like that. It's actually also called <laughs> the disposition effect, because it's the idea of actually it's loss aversion. Yeah, it's you, loss, the that pain was the other one you used, loss of aversion. feeling that loss. Yeah. I'd rather hold on to it even though I've actually made a loss. Yeah, but I haven't realised that loss because I haven't actually sold it. Yeah. And, forced myself to experience a loss, I can fool myself into thinking that all property is good, I just have to hold it long enough. And, and I think what you'll find is they, they'll, for the most part, if they can hold, they will hold. We will see rent creep back up. 
then we have the issue that you discuss, which is, well, if rents get back to that 650 a week, there's going to be more investors in the market. Mm. You're then going to see an uplift in capital price. You're then going to see a hungry uh, developer going, um, it's why cycles exist. Yeah. <laughs> and then it's going to be for our yeah. council to deal with how the lessons that, that, that they've learned from this one. Um, but I specifically, I think for us, we don't have that Crown Casino precinct no. that Melbourne has. We don't have that huge Opera House precinct at Circular mm. Quay. But just so you know, yeah, in Melbourne have prices harbour, haven't gone up. No, I get that. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, this the Brisbane and Melbourne apartment stories. There's they're very there. similar. Yeah. You can read them and you can look at the evidence. You can see the precincts. You can see the developments. Unfortunately, thing what we see in Sydney is they've gone up. You know, new apartments in Sydney have gone up. Yeah, but I, I, to be quite frank, I think there's a, there's a lot of development going on at the moment that may well feel fit into the same category. Correct. As this stuff. They didn't so have that. Just ex- that we had this crazy explosion. Yeah, right. and we've got that at the moment, but yeah. it's it's in places like Mascot and it's, you know, it's certainly over in Lewisham, for instance, there's a lot over there. Um, but particularly Mascot, it's just massive, massive Yeah, so the big problem you see now is that, you know, people in Brisbane, they get it. They've seen it. They've seen the boom. They've seen the fall. They've seen the rents. They see all the advertisements. Mm. They get that there's a problem with new high-rises. Um, in Melbourne, they get it. Kinda. They see it, they see Docklands, they see the evidence, etc. Yeah. It's happened and they've seen the boom and they've seen the crash. In Sydney, they haven't seen the crash. And what's coming is the, you know, 65,000 apartments, which is what you were building yeah. back then. Um, and, and a lot of, unfortunately, you know, overseas investors, first time investors um, have bought and the, and the prices have gone up. So they now believe that this is what they're worth and they can't get rental shortages. So what, what is interesting from this conversation with you, Hazley, is that, that whilst all that's happening, you know, you get good little houses, good areas where there's no oversupply yeah. and they will continue to bubble up and bubble mm. along and, and get it, you know, get buyers because there are, can be silo markets. There's these, these markets operate independently of each other, even within the same city. Yeah. We see that in our area at the moment mm. in New Farm, the, across Brisbane, there are like, it used to be a two stream market. Oh, that's the houses, that's the units. We're seeing five or six different streams mm. in the market, you mm. know, like yeah. wool stores versus six packs versus yeah. high rise, yeah. cottages versus prestige versus double brick. And you think, how yeah. can this not be moving in unison? And yeah. it's just, it's really very, I mean, and lending, then you throw lending into the mix. We've got some banks that'll go, I'm overexposed in that building. Mm. So it's a no. Yeah. And if the buyer's not aware mm. that it's just that bank's overexposure, they think it's their personal. Exactly, they think it's them. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so they think they're uh, funding risk when they're not. The bank's just well, already got six units in there and don't want any more. something wrong with the building. It's yeah. Like, you no, know, it's just that bank happens to have you know high, high, yeah, high exposure of uh, borrowing or borrowers in there. Every week we hear incredible stories of the dumb things property buyers do. Dumb things that end up costing you a whole lot of money and/or creating a whole lot of stress. Mistakes that can be avoided. Paisley, can you give us an example of a property Dumbo? We can all learn what not to do from these stories. The Dumbo. Now, I'm not sure if this is a Dumbo and if it's not, you've got to tell me, right? But I did do an auction on Saturday. Mm. Now, this is not a buyer doing the wrong thing. Okay, so you tell me if it's not a Dumbo and I'll get you something else. That's but a mid-auction on Saturday. We do these things because our area is quite, quite fun, right? We sit on the shoulder of the CBD. So I'm trying to think of a Melbourne um, equivalent. I don't of know. New Farm? Yeah, I don't know, Coburg or, or Collingwood or I don't know, something in the... Or, 
of New Farm, I would probably go more the other way. I'd probably go more your Albert. No, it's not your Albert Park's the most expensive, yeah? Uh, yeah, oh, but it's right. It's like Surrey Hills. Like Surrey Hills. Sydney, it's Surrey like Surrey Hills. Like Brunswick or Fitzroy or somewhere yeah. like yeah, that. Yeah, Fitzroy. That's yeah. what I was thinking. Yeah. yeah, Brunswick. Yeah. So, you know, like it's got great cafe scene. You can sit next. The richest person in town can own in that suburb. The poorest person can own mm. in that suburb. Yeah. They can sit next to each other on a milk crate turned upside down in the cafe, and you can't tell the difference in them because they both got ripped shirt and ripped jeans. Yep. You know, like they all look the same. So it's a great. It's a cultural melting pot. It's fun, and so we do these things called pop up auctions. And it's where we auction property, but rather than doing it in a big function room, we do it in a local cafe or a little bar um, that's in a oh, quiet part. It's very groovy. And very for the local stuff. for yeah. the local establishment, at three o'clock on a when, on a Saturday, it's not busy for them. So we pay them. We then bring in 50, 60 people and into their establishment. you get more of a crowd than you would. We get a little <laughs> bit more of a crowd, but I tell you what, we get a better response from the crowd because they Three get beers. it. Uh, we can't feed them with grog before the auction. <laughs> Um, just in case they buy it (laughs) and it saves us a lot of money, but we certainly put on, uh, we, we cater it, uh, lightly (laughs) and it's fun. You know, they get it. They appreciate that we're supporting a local small business. We like it because we're supporting a local small business. Anyway, we're doing one of these on Saturday afternoon and it's for units. So units as well. It's not as great an experience being crammed in a unit. So we do the pop-up. So on this balcony. And we're selling this great unit. Even more reason to give them alcohol. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yes. Uh, that's a constant theme, right? Uh, and so <laughs> bidding's getting along at $600,000 and bit of while, you know, we're going. Anyway, we're at 630000 and there's this, we pause because we're not quite there and, you know, we need to go and do a little bit of talking. And this buyer, it was lightly raining, which very rarely happens in the Sunshine State. So when it rains, people in Brisbane, they can't drive, they can't walk. And so this guy's thinking about, yeah, I might pay 35, which is the next bid. And so he says, I'm, I'm going to go talk to my partner. And so he walks just off the balcony and he slips and oh. he blows his knee out big time. Oh, no. And he is lying on the ground and he is not. Out for the count. Not, well, he's not knocked out, not, but he's not moving. But he's not buying any property. Either. Not moving. Has he got a pulse? He's. He's got a pulse. He can he, still bid. He's, that's, what I, that, that's what I was thinking. And he's lying there. Oh, the poor bugger. The local uh, coffee, coffee shop owner, He's he's got beads of sweat oh, like no. October cabbages pouring down his mm. face. Uh, he's out there with the ice pack and the water bottle. Um, the agents are gathered around. I've still got four more auctions to call. Oh, no. He, and I'm thinking, what do I do? I felt like the umpire in the footy match. Here's the guy who's on the ground um, and the show must go on. So... We pause that auction, give him a couple of respectful minutes, and then I have to keep dancing. So he's lying at the back of the auction. Oh, I've got to move ambulance. on to the, waiting for the ambulance to arrive. Oh my so God. then I'm one auction on, two auction on, three auction. We obviously said, look, we're not going to conclude that one. We'll give you time. The owner was happy. 6.30 wasn't enough to sell it anyway, so we need a bit more time. Uh, There was one buyer on the phone, I think, in Sydney, and there was another buyer who lived in the building who wasn't prepared to pay more than that price, so was what it was. Then the ambulance turns up. So the stretcher comes out of the ambulance, and I'm standing in front of the crowd. I've got an ambulance next to me, and I thought, you know, sometimes you don't say the smartest things when you're in those moments. <laughs> and I'm still, the jury's out whether this was the right thing to say, but I sort of stop and say to the crowd, look, it's customary if you're in a footy field, but if someone's getting stretched off, you'd probably stop proceedings um, and the players or the crowd would sort of clap them <laughs> off. And I don't know whether that's appropriate for a bit of mid-auction. And that's all I said. Oh, and the crowd started clapping as this poor guy's been lifted up in the stretcher down the footpath and locked into the back of the uh, 
is the, the ambulance. ambulance. So oh. maybe that's my Dumbo of the You're week. The uh, so I want to know, did he buy it? In the so end? we're still negotiating here. Oh. Uh, we <laughs> certainly have uh, we have had um, correspondence from him uh, since the event. Uh, he's definitely interested in the property. Mm-hmm. He has had surgery on that knee. Oh, and, uh, you know, there might be transactions on all sides of the fence uh, given that recent experience, but uh, he may still go on to buy the property. He may still. <laughs> so that's a great story. Not a Dumbo. But I reckon you got a Dumbo in you. I think, <laughs> look, I, I don't, I'm, I'm trying to think um, if, it's, if, it's, if it's generally relating to buyers. Yeah. The number one thing that I see with buyers is they lose their imagination when they buy. Mm. So... Um, I, uh, I, I cannot, I, I learned this, I, I lived this lesson through the nineties, but I really, it really came home to me renting a commercial space where I couldn't rent it for 12 months. And I called a mate of mine, uh, and said, oh, it was, it was sorry, six months and, and I couldn't rent it. And, um, and he said, he walked in and I'd been in real estate at that point, 15 maybe. And he said, Hazy, you've got stuff all through here. It doesn't look like a premises that anyone could move into. And I said, guys can see past that. <laughs> and he said, how long have you been doing this? Buyers cannot see past mm. that. So I spent maybe $2,000 in getting all the rubbish taken out and all the walls knocked down and painted white, and it was rented within a week. And mm. we're talking about commercial premises. Yep. Um, and that is probably, that's definitely a buyer beware thing for purchases um, because for buyers, uh, looks as with your partners in life, are only skin deep. And you really need to be able to look, you really must work on your imagination. You really must understand that an old brick is worth less money uh, than a new brick and your value in property lives inside the land. Set your value base on the land. It's the appreciating asset more often than not. Um, And you really do need to, uh, if you see a property that's poorly presented, don't discount it because everybody else... Um, can't see the ugly duckling mm. either, mm. and so you might see good value. And if a property is beautifully presented, please understand that the agents have probably paid a stylist to come in there, put in furniture. <laughs> we have actively encouraged them to do that because we know that buyers lose their imaginations when they buy, and if it looks good, they'll think that there's low maintenance and they will buy it. It's yeah. so true. But, I mean, I guess the other side of the coin is you've thrown the hotly contested ones is the ones that are the unrenovated ones. So, you know, you've yeah. got the, the hot property is the, the people who are getting over-imaginative of their ability <laughs> to, um, to be able to renovate a place. But, you know, it's funny. If you took – so, it's funny. Messy is different to unrenovated. Yeah. Mm. Like, if you took right. a house where um, there's someone in it who's really messy, mm. uh, there's an odour. They're done. Yeah. You take a house that's just got holes in the wall, um, but it's, you know, it smells okay. It's clean. You're not dealing with any sensory issues other than the fact it's unrenovated. They'll buy it. Yeah. I mean, I went to a house recently in, in Glebe in Sydney and um, great spot. So not the greatest of streets. Presents all right. Got city views. And it's a terrace. Um, walked in. Agents out the front with the smoke. Uh, I'm like... <laughs> All right, hello, mate. And then we walk in. They've it's got students dinosaur. in there. <laughs> that, there's, that, uh, there's not many of those ages left. <laughs> yeah. uh, Smokers. Yeah. Uh, anyway, <laughs> well, the ones yeah, out the front fag. Yeah. Anyway, like, he pulls, they, pulls his pants up a little bit because oh, good. Belly yeah. was over, and then like I, I think I know who you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so, oh, and he's like, oh, no one else there. And I'm like, oh god, a buyer. And then he's like, one. oh, if you want to come through and check it out, I went through and. There's teddy bears everywhere. The students are there. There's stuff. The kitchen's all messy. Courtyards all over the place. All broken tenant. furniture. Mm. Um, 
I'm thinking, well, this is actually not a bad property, but I, I was, I'm not horrible. Yeah. Anyway, he's lost his listing because he couldn't sell it. Yeah. Uh, not that long after, it's back on there. They've done nothing to it really. Just got all the tenant out, got the furniture out, just maybe vacuumed it and, <laughs> and put some, and then sold it in a yep. week. Yeah. And so you're right. Like it's just the messiness of that was just, that was the only thing wrong it with is, it. It is. Um, I watched this fabulous documentary on people who met each other. Uh, at the altar and got married. It was called Love at First Sight. It was this great documentary on TV. Oh, I recognise you from somewhere. <laughs> but I saw this. I, I, was, uh, I was flicking and I accidentally stumbled across it and they had some love expert on and they said like um, something like seven seconds, you know, when you see someone, it's mm. a sensory experience, the smell, the look, the touch. And that would be the same that I imagined for yep. property. Mm. And when they walk through that front door, if it smells, if it looks bad, um, you know, if there's, if there's any issues to that effect, um, so set creaky floorboards, soft steps, anything, you're kind of done. Mm. They need to work on seven seconds. What's my sensory experience as soon as I get through the front door? And as I say, for a buy, don't discount that ugly duckling yeah, because everybody else has. Mm. If it sat there, like that house would have sat there so there would be pressure on the owner because of time. Yep. That would be pressure on their bank account because they're paying mortgage. It would be pressure on buyer opinion because they're getting this reinforcement from no one buying it week after week that their price is wrong. The price isn't wrong. It just stinks. Social proof. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, It just stinks. Clean it. Make it look nice. Make people assume a messy house is poorly maintained. Um, And there's heaps of issues, but it might not be as bad as you like. I used to love buying properties with termites in them because as long as the termites weren't in the major parts of the property, they were just in a VJ or a wall. I knew the buyers would run for the hills because they'd be petrified of ants. Mm. And I'd think bucks to get them. They're treated. They're not there. Mm. Um, yeah. And you'd have, you'd see benefit of it. You know, that zig while they zag. Don't. Um, it's it's very yeah, it's true. Advice. It's about what's, where the value really is in the property. Yeah. And, you know, it, look, we see it all the time. And I often say to people, if it's tenanted, fantastic. Yeah. You know, if, if, if they haven't gone through the whole rigmarole of getting, you know, the, getting the tenant's notice and blah, 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 because the tenants have no vested interest in presenting that property well for sale, um, don't go in there and just immediately discount the property because people do it. They, like you say, they, they lack their imagination. They'll lose their imagination. They actually, they're responding to all the non-verbal stuff, all the, all the stuff that they instinctively have a reaction to rather than actually thinking. And so, yeah, you're right. You smell, yeah, you just like, oh, don't like it, don't care, don't know why and don't care, Yeah, you know. Mm. And it's like, well, hang on a minute. Is there an opportunity? Yeah, yeah. that's right. It's yeah. hard. You've got to fight <clears throat> you do every part of you. I have to fight. Can I tell you, I went through an, uh, an off-market property the other day, exactly that. The place was, you know, these people, honestly, you know, they, they've clearly never cleaned their own house. Like, they're just grubby people. And it was spiders, webs up in the roof, everything, right? The backyard was covered in green moss mm. and, and I could see the bones in this place, but even I struggled. Mm. And yeah. I do this for a living and I, and I know and I have to train myself and I struggled. So yeah. It, yeah. It, I mean, the hardest part buyer, is at the end, right? If it's, you're buying a home, you've just got a bit of savings. This is your first house, oh, yeah. et cetera. You want to tell your friends. You want to tell, and you mm. don't want to be putting up pictures of this rundown no. thing. No. And to look back and go, that's what I bought. Even though you probably should have, you want to get the thing that's looking Roll beautiful up your with the sleeves, stylus. Right. Rip uh, up the carpet, so paint it, polish the floors, and I'm then show your friends. What everyone else <laughs> thinks about me, not what I actually really yeah. is a good investment. Yeah. So thank you so much for today. Pleasure. I really appreciate Thanks it. Appreciate me. your time. It was lovely. We want to make you a better elephant rider. 
And this week's Elephant Rider training is... One of the things that Hazley alluded to when we were talking was that Brisbane buyers weren't as used to auctions as, say, Sydney or Melbourne-based buyers are. I think the reality is that certainly in Sydney, I'm not sure about Melbourne, but certainly in Sydney, buyers generally are not that used to auctions. Let's face it, as buyers, we don't go to auctions that often to buy a property. And in fact, there's usually quite a lot of fear around the whole auction process. And the same with vendors, and that is actually something that Hazley touched on as well. So the buyer's tip for this week is, particularly in Queensland and New South Wales, where you are able to watch the registrations prior to auction, I highly encourage you to do that. It's even a good idea to go and watch the registrations of auctions that you're not planning on bidding on because the more you do that, the more you see the people register, the more you watch them behave and perform during the auction, the more you see the ones that bid, the ones that don't bid, watch the body language, the ones that you think are going to bid and don't bid, the ones that you don't think are going to bid that do bid, all those sort of surprising things that people do, then you are going to arm yourself so that you are better equipped when you actually go and bid at auction. It's something that I think is a, is a gift to buyers, really, this registration process. You can't do it in Victoria because they don't force you to register. But certainly in New South Wales and in Queensland, there's an opportunity there for buyers to really practice and hone your skills in terms of reading other buyers at auction. So I encourage you to do that. Please join us for our next episode when we interview Malcolm Gunning. Now, Malcolm is a very high-profile real estate agent. He's been the president of the REIA and the REI New South Wales, but he is particularly well-known as being a commercial agent. So we are going to understand the pros and cons of commercial, industrial, retail, real estate. What are the drivers of these segments of the market? What types of investor benefits the most from investing in non-residential property? And really understanding why these investors are sophisticated and how if you're not sophisticated, some of the warning signs and the risks and what you need to do to get yourself ready to buy commercially if that's what you want to do. Don't forget we're on all the social channels. We're on Facebook, we're on LinkedIn, we're on Twitter. Or you can connect with us on theelephantintheroom.com.au. The links are all there for you. Please connect and send us a message. We'd love to hear from you. The Elephant in the Room property podcast is recorded at the Sydney Sound Brewery. Until next week, don't be a dumbo. Now remember, everything we talked about on this podcast is general in nature and should never be considered to be personal financial advice. If you're looking to get advice, please seek the help of a licensed financial advisor or buyer's agent who will tailor and document their advice to your personal circumstances with a statement of advice.